getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com/rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, you know him and love him, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we had a little bit of a scare on Monday, day five of Denver Broncos training camp, with Chaz Green getting carted off, but apparently... All is well. He, it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it, it seemed like at first he had an apparent leg injury, but uh, later reports said that he suffered from uh, heat or dehydration or some sort of, uh, you know, exhaustion from being outside. But he seems fine, and he's in, uh, he should practice when the team resumes on Wednesday, and uh, he'll slide right back in his backup role competing for a spot on the 53. He's got a chance. He's got a chance. And you know what's interesting is that you know, we talked about, I think it was in my day three camp notebook, just kind of talking to people, covering the news and notes from camp. I mentioned Elijah Wilkinson. Actually, it was day four because that was uh, the day Rich Gangarello spoke, which was Sunday. And he talked up Elijah Wilkinson when asked, you know, who has impressed you the most thus far? And of course, Wilkinson wasn't a Scangarello guy, as, as he pointed out. Wilkinson's been here for a while. He was there when Scangarello arrived, but he's been really impressed on, in, in Wilkinson. So I did some digging on that, try and get to the bottom of it, and it turns out that he's been really playing well as the backup left tackle. So we've been agonizing over who's going to be that swing tackle for the Denver Broncos. You know, if something, God forbid, happens to Garrett Bowles or Juwan James, Zach, it sounds like Elijah Wilkinson is going to be that guy, and that is if everything remains copacetic with Ronald Leary because that's who they've been plugging in at right guard also on when they sit down Ronald Leary and, you know, as, as they're being precautious with his reps. 
I've also been pretty impressed with Elijah Wilkinson. He's grown and developed as a blocker the last couple of years. And I would even venture to say if Bowles continues to struggle, Chad, if he's still sacking his own quarterback and committing holding penalties left and right, I would not mind Wilkinson getting a couple reps or two. Last year, Vance even hinted at that, that Bowles could be replaced. And Wilkinson has slowly but surely earned the trust of the coaching staff. And apparently he has the the ear and the eye of Mike Munchak. That's important. He has the same thing with Rich Gangarello, who was singled out. This is the guy. You're right. This is that finally that developmental young prospect they can bring along. And if anything should happen, they can work him at guard. They can work him at tackle. He's the new Billy Turner, but I think a better version. So the Broncos are in good hands there. Absolutely. And it's interesting because the Broncos, when he originally entered the league as a college free agent, the Broncos had him as an offensive tackle. And, you know, you you talk a lot about this, Zach, on the podcast that, you know, over the last couple of years, it's really become a priority for the Denver Broncos to cross-train their backup offensive linemen. And that's what happened in the case of Wilkinson, which is why he kind of transitioned more from being a tackle last year to being an interior player. He ended up being plugged in at right guard, started seven games after Matt Paradis went down and they had to shift Connor McGovern to center. They plugged Eli in at right guard, and he played surprisingly well. He had some face palm moments as a first-time starter would. You would expect that to happen. But by and large, I was really impressed with his play inside. And it was interesting, uh, Adam Gotsis on Monday following day five of, of training camp, he was asked directly about Wilkinson, who's, I'm telling you, he's just one of those players generating buzz at camp. And one of the things that I thought was interesting Gotsis had to say is that Eli's got some heavy hands. And that's one thing that if you listen to some of the people who really know football that are there at camp, you know, I can name some names, but not all the media guys that are there every day and really know anything about football. Those that do, if you listen to what they're saying, Garrett Bowles is a guy that, you know, he's he, he, he doesn't really – his – how can I put this? He's not trying to get his hands on guys in terms of keeping them off the during the rush and his kick slide, and he's more about falling back and then taking them on and keeping them off the quarterback, whereas Elijah Wilkinson, his – uh, his basically natural mindset is to be the aggressor, even in pass sets, Zach. So he's those heavy hands. He gets a punch in quick, punch in, doesn't let them get their hands on him. And it's so far, it's it's made an impression on his defensive teammates. Yeah, he, he's a really mauling type of blocker. And it's, it's no surprise that he's gelled well with Mike Munchak and Rich Scangarello and Vic Fangio, who's trying to instill physicality and aggressiveness and dominance in this soft team from the last couple of years to quote John Elway. And Wilkinson fits into that plan perfectly. He's the guy to bring along right now, not as a starter, don't give him that responsibility, but for what he is, and this is why he's being singled out, is because he's on that cusp. He's way past you know, proving that he belongs on the roster, and now it's to earn a spot as a direct backup. And I think he's right there. He certainly you know, leapt over Chaz Green, the, the Barclays of the world, and he's you know, the number, number three behind Bulls and Jawan James right now. So with him, I'm comfortable if they keep him at tackle. At guard, then again, it opens up more holes there. Then you have to rely on some, you know, some inconsistent and injury-prone players. So it, you know, it's, it's musical chairs, and you got to pick your poison, I guess. It's that Mike Munchak bump, though. We just don't know how far it's going to elevate some of these players, and it sounds like with Wilkinson, it could go quite far because if you think back to his his track record, Munchak in Pittsburgh, here's the last thing I want to say on this topic and then we'll move on, is Alejandro Villanueva, the, the left tackle there. He was picked up off the scrap heap by the Steelers uh, in 2014. He was a former undrafted rookie out of Army, of course. He's a former veteran, served um, in combat, and the Philadelphia Eagles signed him, 
put him on the practice squad. The Steelers eventually grabbed him, and that was in 2014. Three seasons later, 2017, Munchak puts him in the Pro Bowl, basically, and then 2018 he goes again, protecting Ben Roethlisberger's blindside. Now, does that mean a similar fate awaits Elijah Wilkinson? Not necessarily, but that's what an elite-level position coach, how he can elevate guys who are flying under the radar that don't have the draft pedigree to that next level. So I'm really interested to see how Wilkinson and some of the other guys can parlay that that Munchak bump in 2019. Yeah, that's a really good point and a really great comparison, Chad, because there's always that under-the-radar guy that we don't see coming who always takes that big leap. And, and most of us thought it'd be Garrett Bowles. And it might still be Garrett Bowles, but immediately in the short term, it's been Wilkinson. And that's definitely encouraging only because you and I both have been hammering the Broncos for not having a young developmental guy. They finally found him. So uh, it, through five days of camp, that's been one of the most positive revelations, you know, in my opinion. Today we are going to talk about some of the players from the first five days of training camp who have impressed uh, the most. Kind of go through some of the news and notes of this first few days as well. First, though, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you stay plugged in. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on iTunes and you like what you hear, leave us a creative review. Give us that five-star rating. And YouTube, you guys, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate you. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's, uh, we were talking about going through just some of the notes from day five, and, and we'll get to some of this stuff that happened on Monday. But first, let's talk about some of the players who have really seemed to jump out, whose stock is rising in the first week of training camp, which is officially in the books, because Tuesday the Broncos are going to take the day off, and they'll come back on Wednesday. So as Vic Fangio said following Monday's practice, this will be the only five-day stretch in a row without a break that the Broncos go in training camp. So those five days of attrition are in the rear view. Those first five days, the rust falling off in chunks. But some studs have risen. And the first guy that jumps to mind for me, Zach, is Jawan Winfrey, who, you know, sixth rounder, he's done nothing but impress so far. Unfortunately, though, and we didn't talk about this on yesterday's show, during day four's practice, so on Sunday, he took a massive shot, apparently, from Sua Cravens, and it shook him up. And he woke up on Monday, his leg wasn't feeling so hot wasn't feeling right, I think is what Fangio said, so they chose to keep him out. So my only hope, and I think I said this on an earlier podcast, is that he's been so good, I just hope he can stay healthy because if he stays healthy, he seems to be, you know, the trajectory and the momentum seems to be pointing in the right direction. 
shocker, a lower body injury. Now he'll be he'll be fine though. He'll be uh, he'll be out there later this week probably for practice. And I have no concerns about the injury. The Broncos are being safer than sorry, which is the right approach. But yeah, Winfrey and pretty much any Broncos receiver has been the surprise through five days. Talk about Deshaun Hamilton made a one-handed catch today. He's snared everything pretty much in the air. Cortland Sutton had a couple big catches a couple days ago. Even Trinity Benson, Chad, the undrafted rookie, he's making plays out there. So I give Zach Azani this. He can coach him up. It doesn't matter if they're veterans, rookies, undrafted free agents. Uh, he's definitely made his mark in the organization. Um, that On that side of the ball, Brennan Langley, too, at receiver. Yep. As you wrote, he's been getting some first string reps and he's that burner and he's really actually proving that value and, and making me eat a lot of crow for what I said about him. He's uh, working his way up there. So it's it's encouraging they have a well-rounded group now of pass catchers. He's still got a ways to go, let's face it. Yeah, like he does. It's, it's great for him to make a, an impression the first few days of training camp, but let's see it in game action. Let's see what kind of chemistry he's forged with the quarterback. You know, he's getting those first-team reps, so he's getting some familiarity with Flacco. Flacco's getting some familiarity with him. But it's encouraging, and it shows that, you know, these coaches aren't giving him that opportunity, grandfathering it to him for no reason. He's moving up the depth chart. When training camp opened up, you know, you could – you know, he's probably wide receiver number five, six, or seven, somewhere in that trio of spots when you think about the guys around him being also River Craycraft, Jawan Winfrey, and mm, yeah, probably those three guys. But he's leapfrogged, maybe not Jawan Winfrey, but to be able to get first-team reps as a wide receiver who started out toward the bottom end of the depth chart five days into training camp, it says something, and I really don't think, Zach, it has a damn thing to do with his draft pedigree as a former third-round pick who is transitioning from corner to wide receiver. I think it's because he has showcased a tenacity and a, and a flair for making a play. He's got that speed. That we know. He runs a 4-4-3 in a straight line, so he can take the top off. But can he master the route tree? You know, Can he show the nuance of learning the... Um, you know, the playbook, how to get open, how to find a soft spot in the zone. Like, these are all things that take time. And, and you know, these are crafts that a lot of these players, his peers on that depth chart, have had to take years to master. And yet here he is, here he is rocketing up the depth chart. So it's encouraging. But let's see if he can keep it going. Yeah, yeah, I, I still share your skepticism, Chad. I don't think he'll make the 53, and I, he, he, he could be a flash in the pan this summer. And don't forget, he's probably capitalizing because Emmanuel Sanders isn't in team drills. Uh, Noah Fan hasn't been uh, catching on that quick as the burner type in this offense. So it's him and Benson as the guys with the wheels, and both players are making plays with Joe Flacco and, and Drew Locke. Yeah, if he does it consistently this summer in preseason, then he'll have a shot. But once Craycraft comes back, Tim Patrick's still in there too. Uh, They're just loaded with receivers right now. So ultimately, I don't see a spot for Langley as good as he looked uh, so far. Yeah, and Benson has also been encouraging thus far. It sounds like he's already carving himself out a role as that last receiver on the depth chart slash the reason I'm really here is to, to be a returner. And the key, though, is as much as he's garnering some some buzz, Coach Fangio kind of put it, uh, you know, in stark reality that, you know, it's great, you know, he's doing well and all that, whatever. But the number one job, to quote Fangio, he says, quote, the number one job of a punt returner is to be a reliable catcher of the punt. And we always need to keep that in mind. That will shake itself out, close quote. Five preseason games are coming. You know, if you think back to two years ago, who was it that punt returner that was just blowing everybody's minds with how much of a, uh, you know, how twitchy and explosive he was as a returner? But then the actual games roll around preseason, regular season, and he can't hold on to the ball to save his life. 
<laughs> Isaiah McKenzie, man. I remember him well. Uh, but the thing is, though, about uh, Benson is that he, if he doesn't make a 53 spot, if he doesn't you know, save a spot on the 53 because there's so many receivers, I think he's definitely earned a role in the practice squad. I think uh, it would take a massive downturn now considering the, the speed that he has and the versatility to play on specials that they are lacking right now. So at the very least, he'll be on the practice squad. And at most, you never know about a spot on the 53. You know, I wanted to focus mostly on players in this conversation that have been showing out. But I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, the people I've talked to who have been there every single day thus far, they're starting to sh- share their concerns with uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick dropping balls. Now, as you pointed out, you know, you can only hold a, a playmaker like Sutton down for so long. You can only get inside his head for so long. He's going to make a play. He's going to make those splash grabs that's going to ooh and ah everybody. But apparently he's been extremely extremely inconsistent with his hands, which has frustrated Joe Flacco a little bit. It's starting to affect the offense's ability to get into a rhythm. And Tim Patrick as well, not as much as Sutton. But one of the reasons for Sutton's lack of hands thus far, Zach, it's worth mentioning, is the immersion of Bryce Callahan. Now, we knew he was a good corner when the Broncos signed him from the, <clears throat> from the Bears this past March. But he has, I'm telling you, everybody I've talked to are raving about Bryce Callahan just being a blanket in coverage and really making life hard on Mr. Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I was going to jump on your point to say that while the receivers or some of them have been inconsistent, and Joe Flacco has been too in the offense in general, the defense in the secondary, Chad, has really blossomed uh, already under Fangio and Ed Donatel. Uh, Bryce Callahan has looked great. Like you said, Justin Simmons, uh, he was nicked up today, but he's been great. Uh, of course, Scream Jackson been making plays, Chris Harris Jr., they're just loaded back there right now. Even Isaac Yadam is holding his own, and he looks improved in his second season. So, you know, we have to realize that the other players are getting paid too. They're still great on that side of the ball, and they're way more advanced, as we talked about on yesterday's pod chat. The defense is well ahead right now. So I'm not necessarily concerned about Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. They'll get it together when the games count. And Sutton already proved his medal last year. He'll go up and get the pass. He has strong hands and an elite catch radius. So once the, uh, the pads go on this preseason, he'll show what he's capable of. Another interesting player on that side of the ball who has risen, especially over the last three, four days, is undrafted rookie Josh Watson. Now, he's a guy who has, you know, looked like Alexander Johnson was going to be the main beneficiary of the Todd Davis injury, but it's looking more and more like it might end up actually being Josh Watson, who hails, of course, from Colorado State. Yeah, among the Broncos, many inside linebackers. It's not Joe Deneen that they're giving the shot to. It's not, you know, Keyshawn Bieria. It is definitely Josh Watson. And uh, he's, you know, another guy just like Benson or just like Devontae Jackson, the running back. These are guys who might not make the 53, but they're showing so well right now that they're probably locked into a spot on the practice squad. Uh, Right now, they're just loaded in that position, Chad, and it's definitely encouraging for the future. I'm glad you brought up Devontae Jackson and Kalfani Muhammad because – Those are two guys whose names were brought up to me today in two separate conversations with guys who've been at Dove Valley. And it's kind of a unique situation because it's such a logjam because, I mean, first of all, running back, the roster math is skewy because you've got the fullback. So even if the normal team out there who doesn't carry a fullback, they carry four running backs on the 53-man roster, you know, in this case, you can only carry three if you plan on keeping your limiting it to four out of the 53 being running backs because of Janovich. And by the way, Janovich is making this roster. I mean, he's already vanquished George Aston from everything I've been told. 
and he is being worked into the offense as a weapon this time. That's what I'm hearing. He ran, ran a slant on Monday and really surprised everyone. I, I don't think he held – I think he dropped a pass, but, like, they're working him into the offense. Now, that's a separate issue. Back to Muhammad and Jackson is that if they're going to make it, there's only one path because Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, they're a lock. You know, health willing, both those guys are locks. The only question is Devontae Booker. So if I'm one of those two kids – I'm looking at, I'm setting my sights on Devontae Booker and doing everything I can to try and leapfrog him come the end of August. Yeah, it's an uphill battle, though. You know, Booker, as limited as he is as a pure speed guy or in terms of being a running back in that fashion, he's a well-rounded player. I mean, he can block. Uh, he can catch passes out of the backfield. He's a veteran guy, unlike the, the two younger players they have that are starring for them right now. It's going to take a lot to unseat Booker. The coaching staff seems to like him. Scangarello seems to like this this uh, this backfield. And as good as they looked, I mean, the best they can hope for is still a positive to make a spot on the practice squad. Because like you said, Chad, you never know. Freeman and Lindsay are both coming off injuries. It, it, all it takes is one play, then you're down to no depth, and they get the call up. So if they just maintain their solid play, they will have a, a shot to stay with this organization for the future even if it's on the practice squad we still have a few more things we want to get to today first though we got to take a quick break we'll be right back this is the overtime podcast network all right zach let's talk about a few more guys who've made really positive impressions early on in camp and i think we got to bring up drew lock now it hasn't been all perfect it hasn't been all pretty you don't expect it to be for a rookie quarterback but he has also been one of the names consistently mentioned to me as a standout, as, as a guy who has pleasantly surprised media and knowledgeable football guys watching these practices. And I think that should encourage the heck out of Broncos country because when Paxton Lynch, for example, hit this roster back in 2016, everyone oohed and nod over his size and that arm and his athleticism, but he wasn't making plays downfield. He wasn't connecting on deep balls. He wasn't showing any command. And... It ended up coming out that way in the wash. We know how it. We all know how it turned out. He got that one road win in 2016. His crowning achievement was getting that road win at Jacksonville in 2016. But besides that, he did literally almost nothing for the team that spent a first-round pick on him. Drew Locke, I think, is turning that perception on its ear for a Broncos high-round draft quarterback by Elway. So far, so good for Drew Locke. I think that should be encouraging. It's only five days of camp. It's only five practices, et cetera. Let's see it in a game. But, heck, man, if if he can earn some positive reviews this early in camp, I'll take it as, as a positive sign from the football gods. And he had one of his better practices on Monday, Chad. He was just locking into receivers and, and making nice tight throws and, and sharp passes. So uh, he's growing. He's developing. It's baby steps right now. He's in such an infantile part of his development. He's still a baby in terms of the NFL. He's so young. He has a lot to learn. But he's going to keep getting better day by day by day. He might uh, take a step back in the preseason. He might throw a couple picks. But it's all a learning experience. He doesn't have that pressure like Lynch had as a first-round pick as the immediate franchise savior to come in and win that job. He can sit back and learn behind an established guy, take a year off. And like I keep saying on every podcast, if they just play their cards right and give him time to learn and time to let the recipe uh, bake for enough time, they're going to have a nice, delicious result in the end in Drew Locke as a franchise quarterback. They just have to be patient with him. Speaking of quarterback, let's talk about the former quarterback, 
high school quarterback, that is, and college quarterback, who was eventually transitioned by the Wyoming Cowboys to tight end, Mr. Austin Fort. He has been arguably the biggest pleasant surprise of training camp thus far, showcasing that, hey, you know, that experience and knowledge of playing quarterback for all those years is really serving him well as a route runner and as a tight end. You know, he's doing a lot of good things for this team early on. And meanwhile, you got Jake Butt, who has now missed two practices in a row. And here's to hoping that having three days off by the time the Broncos reconvene on Wednesday, it'll be three days off for Butt, will be enough for his leg to start feeling better and he can get back out there on the field. But while he's, you know, sitting there languishing on the sidelines, Austin Fort is playing out of his mind, impressing the heck out of everybody with Brian Parker's old number, number 89. And Troy Fumagalli was back in the action. He's looked really good. So the Broncos seem to have themselves a, a, a logjam there also. I, I think that's the second time I've used logjam today on the podcast, Zach. But the tight end position is shaping up well, and a lot of that has to do with Fumagalli and Fort. You know, at this point, I'm willing to just give up on Jake Budd and just let Austin Ford on the 53. He's making plays out there, Chad. I mean, you need guys who can contribute. And if Butt didn't have that name recognition, I wonder if the Broncos would still keep him on this, you know, on the roster. Hey, to come back from this injury uh, for the third time and he's still going through the, the aches and the pains of it and they're still holding him out and training camps a week in, I don't know if that bodes too well for his future. Meanwhile, you have the young, hungry, uh, undrafted guys just making plays left and right. So it's going to be a competition down to the very wire. They're going to carry four tight ends on the 53 more than likely. Uh, Fumagalli and Noah Fant, Hireman are locks. But that four spot, Chad, Austin Ford is definitely trending upward. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see how that shakes out. All right, I want to throw three more names at you, Zach. We'll, we'll dissect them, and then we'll get out of here for today. But there is Justin Simmons, no surprise. Again, as you mentioned, he got dinged up a little on Monday. He's okay. But Justin Simmons has really shined, and it's looking like he might be a guy that takes a quantum leap forward under Vic Fangio. You got Demarcus Walker, has looked really good. Sorry. Looked like he might be turning a corner. And then, of course, we can't omit the fact that Sua Cravens has also looked good. And, of course, mentioned he laid that hit on Jawan Winfrey. So three guys, I think all of whom in their own way represent a significant investment by the Broncos. It's encouraging to see them you know, showing out so far. That secondary, like I said, is just loaded. Even DeMonte Thomas uh, picked off Drew Locke, and he's been making plays. Jamal Carter is hungry to get back on the field. It's encouraging to me that immediately the secondary, which was kind of a problem last year and kind of a problem in 2017, Fangio and Donald came in, man, and just immediately uh, revamped that unit. They added good players, but the coaching definitely helps skinning them around and putting them in positions to maximize their ability. What a concept from the coaching staff. Yeah, man, I just hope that Sua Cravens can really – stay consistent and stay healthy because it wasn't that he had a bad camp last year if you think about it it was he actually got off to a pretty solid start then he had that knee injury so part of me wonders how much of his kind of aborted first season as a Bronco had to do with him you know building that momentum building his own internal optimism about his new place in in Denver only to be freaking taken out at the knee literally and lose all that momentum and then be thrown right back into the fire halfway through the season Shocker, surprise, surprise, he wasn't ready. And, and he has a lot to prove still. That's why I'm not penciling him in on, the, on the, my 53-man projection just yet. But uh, he's trending in the right direction. And the more plays he makes, the more times he stands out. And the more consistency he shows in dedication to the game, I think that's what Fangio was looking for after his troubled last few years. If he can just show that this summer consistently, he has a pretty good shot. Well, we got to keep it short here today, 
ladies and gentlemen. But we'll be back on the other side of Hump Day with a fresh episode. We'll let our hair down a little bit more. And there will be, let's face it, a lot more to talk about by then as well. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Stay tuned. There will be a fresh episode of Building the Broncos waiting for you tomorrow on Wednesday. And then Zach and I will return on Thursday. Until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.